0: Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Joining us today for a look at the latest market action is Urian Timmer, Director of Global Macro. Today, with host Pamela Ritchie, Urian breaks down recent market news surrounding interest rates, as well as sharing his perspectives on valuation, the business cycle, comparisons to past cycles and recession risk. Particularly on the comparisons to past cycles, Urien notes the similarities in today's economy to the 1940s during World War II. The demographics are different, but there are enough similarities to pay attention. Stay tuned for this and more. Today's podcast was recorded on September 19th, 2022, and per usual, Urien has a few charts to share, so please head to @TimurFidelity on Twitter to follow along. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.
1: Great to see you, Urien. You're in your office. Hey, Globetrotter.
2: I I had to get some of the cobwebs off because I haven't been here since August, so uh, it's good to be back.
1: It's good to see you. I remind everyone who's joining us here to send in any of your questions that you have for Yurian over the next half hour or so. So so let's begin with exactly this. There are some who will say that there's not a lot of time left for Jerome Powell and the FOMC ultimately to um, to take interest rate hikes even higher. This may be sort of their final chance. And some are saying even 1% might be possible. Where, where do you fall within this discussion?
0: The first slide we'll look at today is the Fed and the market, tweeted on September 19th.
2: My answer, my snarky answer always is, it doesn't really matter whether they go 50, 75, 100. What matters is where are they going to end up and when and what are going to be the consequences of that. And so in the last week or so, you know, as we all know, there's been yet another reset, another moving of the goalposts um, in terms of where the Fed will end. You know, it was, you know, originally it was three percent, then it went to four, then back to three and a half, and now it's at 4.4, 4.3 percent. And that's following that CPI report where the headline number was okay, But the core number was really bad um and so that's driving the markets and the and the feds to um to kind of financial tighten financial conditions even more so we have a very very fast upward slope as you can see in that orange line the yellow line is the actual fed funds rate so Two and three eighths, but that's about to go up by at least seventy-five, may, maybe a hundred. Um, who knows? Uh, and then we'll be at you know four and an eighth to four and three eighths. Uh, sorry, three and 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 um, um, three and an eighth to three and three eighths. That's still about a hundred basis points shy of what the terminal rate is expected to be. So, even if the Fed goes a hundred, it still has about a hundred left to do after that. And so the thinking is. Fed might do 75, then another 75, then 25, or it does 150 and then 25. Again, to me, it makes no difference whatsoever. What matters to me, um, I think, um, is that you know the Fed cannot declare victory until it actually is ready to pivot, and, and either by it'll either pivot by design or or by necessity, right? If if the if the Fed ends up breaking something in the economy. Um, But until it is ready to actually call it quits in terms of this tightening cycle, it can really not give any hints that it's nearing the end because what happens then is that the markets will rally, they will sigh relief like they did recently, and that, by definition, will ease financial conditions, and that will undermine the very effect that the Fed is trying, is trying to achieve. So the Fed has to keep beating the markets into the ground until it actually is satisfied that it has tightened enough. Um, and so that's kind of where we are right
1: now. So it, it possibly could be something very similar to the message that Jerome Powell gave at Jackson Hole.
2: Yes, but, you know, I think what we're getting to an interesting point in the market.
0: Next up, we'll look at tips break evens versus headline inflation tweeted on September 30th.
2: Backward looking inflation, of course, is sky high, right? The CPI is at around plus nine. The core CPI is at around plus six and change. The core PCE is at around plus five, six and change. Um, And it's interesting how fast market conditions have changed. So in this chart, I show the the CPI headline, the purple, the core PCE, which is the the inflation indicator that the Fed watches mostly. And that's coming down, as you can see, but obviously it remains well above the Fed's target. Now, look at that gray line. That was the tips forward curve last month as of July. And look at it in the black line. That's as of August. So, you know, the end point, so the markets have been pretty, uh, I don't want to say complacent, but the markets have been pretty okay with in, with an, with the thought that inflation is going to return back to about two and a half over the next several years. Uh, and of course, that would be a great outcome. Uh, but the markets were expecting that the, the, the trajectory of that path to be kind of bumpy, but now um, the market's expecting inflation to almost immediately go back to 2%, which seems hard to believe and seems hard to achieve. But if that's the case, um, if if inflation really is about to revert back to 2 2.5% and stay there, then the Fed could be committing a massive policy error. And I think that's what's kind of starting to uh to to percolate in the markets and just one way of thinking about that if we go to slide 10 the previous slide
0: and for us that is u.s monetary policy also tweeted on september 20th
2: Um, if we look at the neutral rate which is that smooth blue line the fed has not published the natural rate for two years but i i've built a a little regression model to kind of estimate where it is and that's the that thick orange line uh, if we take the tips market at face value, and again, I don't know that that's the correct thing to do. The tips market could be completely wrong or distorted by the fact that the Fed owns over thirty percent of the tips market. But if we assume for a moment that the tips market is correct and we're going to go back to two and a half percent pretty quickly and stay there, then based on the current forward curve, which is what I showed in that first chart, uh the Fed will get to a properly restrictive mode. Uh, that's that dotted purple line, uh, very, very quickly. And that actually will put it in the same category or or the same level uh, of tightness relative to the neutral rate that it has been at the previous three inflection points. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you then add the effects from quantitative tightening, which some people think will kind of is is worth another 100 basis points of tightening, we would get to about 3% real which is a solid two percentage points above neutral. And you know you can see those past peaks there in this chart. Again, this is all real rates based on the Fed policy cycle. Each one of those ended up in a recession. So I think the, the recession playbook as the Fed keeps pushing the narrative, even though expectations are collapsing, um, sets up for the possibility that we will indeed have a recession and a policy error, um, and that the Fed is kind of overfighting the last war because it was too quick, too slow uh, to respond to the to the inflation threat. You know, a year ago.
1: So, so one of the I wonder if it's too soon to go to the valuation question. Then, <laughs> is there more to say on this front? Because I that makes me want to ask about inflation um, pretty quickly.
2: I, again, I, I think for, for, for the Fed. The, the Fed cannot. Let markets off the hook until it actually is done, and even then, the markets will rally like crazy, and then financial conditions will loosen. So the Fed's in a little bit of a bind. It, it cannot, like even at, at this week's FOMC, when Jay Powell goes in the press conference, he has to be very careful what he says. If he if he hints that, yeah, well, after this we'll do another hundred, and then maybe we're done, the, the markets will immediately rally. Um, and then and then it will undermine what he's trying to do. So, you know, it kind of sounds like he's going to beat this market into submission, um, and then it really come, becomes a question of, will it lead to a recession or not? But in the meantime, the valuation work isn't quite done, which is what you asked about.
0: Now, we'll take a look at two equity valuation slides, tweeted together in a thread on September 19th.
2: We've talked about this in the past, the two-year yield has been a good kind of indicator for where valuation should be right because remember earnings so far have not skipped a beat the earnings revisions are certainly way down but the overall number is holding up which is not too surprising given where inflation is because generally infla uh, earnings hold up better during inflationary periods just because of the money illusion of inflation uh, but so far this whole decline Uh, which was 25% as of the low in June, has been about valuation. And this has been a valuation reset, uh, an appropriate one based on what's happening with interest rates and the Fed um, and this whole rate cycle. And so I've been using the two-year yield as a proxy. And guess what? The two-year yield is almost at 4% today, uh, which is a far cry from even a week or two ago when it was at three and a quarter. And so you flip that two-year yield upside down and you express it as a PE, which is just a, a simple regression formula, you get that orange line, and that suggests that the PE should be at 13.5. and a half. It's currently at 16.5. That three points uh, is, is, a, is a large gap and would suggest that the S&P actually should go to about 3,100. Now, I think that that's probably a little bit uh, extreme. And I, in the meantime, I saw a chart somewhere I think it was a Goldman Sachs chart that actually used the 10-year real yield as maybe a better proxy for the for the valuation cycle. Um, and that's the purple line here. And that suggests still a gap of about one and a half points, but only a decline to about 15.1 times forward earnings. Um, so if we go to the next slide, I, I've made a longer version of this and I created essentially a multivariate regression model, which sounds really fancy, but it's it's not. Yeah, where cool. <laughs> where I, I use that that real that real tips yield and the two year nominal yield, put them into a regression model, and it spits out essentially 15.1 as the fair value. And this this regression goes back to 2017. So it's got a, a little bit of history on it. And the simple the simple takeaway of that is that you know the S and P is at 3873 today it's at 3861 um, the fair value on this basis is 3531 that will be another nine percent down from here um, and I think you know so that's kind of you know that's obviously not great have a better ten percent while the Fed is possibly you know creating a policy error by tightening well above neutral. But on the flip side of that is that uh, we could be setting up for perhaps an interesting inflection point because 3531 on the S&P would be, what's that?
1: You call it juicy in your report. Yeah.
2: Uh, Juicy, yes. Because 3531 would be a new low for this cycle, right? 3666 is the current low. Um, That low in the middle of June created a lot of very oversold conditions, like technically in terms of breath, momentum, et cetera. If we were to undercut that low in the coming weeks or whenever it would be, and remember it's September, October is around the corner. That tends to be a seasonal weak point. It tends to be the point where markets bottom. So maybe maybe we set up for a bottom at 3,500 in October sometime. That very likely will create a, a number of bullish divergences just because Momentum and breadth were so oversold at the June low, and if that coincides with the terminal point for the Fed, you know, maybe by in October the Fed will have gone more, or maybe the economy weakens enough for the for the Fed to start believing the tips data and then indeed you know reversing policy, uh, creating that Fed pivot. If all of those things happen in the coming few months or so, at a point where you have a technically diverging bottom. Uh, Then I can finally, for the first time over the last eight months, start to get excited about buying the market here. Because so far, I haven't been excited about it because the markets never got cheap. They they never kind of, we never saw the capitulation. And so maybe we're finally starting to set up that kind of playbook. And even though there would be some more pain involved uh, to get there, uh, it might create an interesting inflection opportunity.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like perhaps some clarity to the markets. There's lots of questions uh, rolling in here, Yuri, let me put, put some of these to you. So you're, this is, you've referenced this partly, but thoughts on bond markets um, with higher yields now at this point?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting.
0: Next, Real Yields, tweeted on September 14th. This will be followed by U.S. Rates, tweeted on September 20th
2: so i think the bond market is starting to offer some real value here so if you look at real rates again this is using the tips market not the cpi remember the cpi is always backward looking right because it's always the last 12 months the tips market is always forward looking uh it may not be always correct and again the question you know the fact that the fed owns almost a third of the tips market you know should raise a concern that maybe the the price signal in the tips market is a little distorted but okay. you know having that having said that what the tips market is showing is that real rates so the the real tips yield across the, the the term structure which i'm showing here you know is getting more and more positive the the 30 year bond is now at 1 and a quarter percent positive real yield the 10 years at around plus 1 the 5 year is close to that as well And if we look at the next slide, we can see that uh, the terminal point, so the orange line is the expected terminal rate for this Fed cycle. That's now at 4.44%. The black line is the 10-year treasury yield. You can see that the forward curve is is now uh, creating, uh, is now more and more outstripping where the yield is. And that's another way of saying that the yield curve is getting more and more inverted because the the long end of the curve is is not keeping up with the front end of the curve. Um, And so to me, that's starting to create more value that if the Fed does end up breaking something, in other words, causing a recession at a time when the inflation expectations are already, uh, basically uh, falling very rapidly, then the bond market is starting to look more and more attractive uh, on that basis, right? We have 3.5% on the 10-year, we have about a 1% real rate. So that means that uh, that your bond investors are actually getting a real return, assuming again that the TIPS market is correct. And if we look at slide 16, if we pass over the next and go to 16, my bond model.
0: Next is U.S. bond market, which at the time of recording was last tweeted on August 19th. But a more recent version may be available.
2: Weekly lines on the left are is, is the, the model that explains where yields are on the basis of uh, of the interest rate structure and the and the and the economy, and then the green lines is is the same model but based on forward-looking expectations from the forward curve. Uh, that green line or that band suggests to me that three and a half is currently fair value but that fair value will decline as as the, as the Fed eventually starts to cut rates again. And and one other way of thinking about it in the next slide is my cloud chart, uh, which I think is a good visual for thinking about the value of the 10-year.
0: And that cloud chart is nominal rates and inflation, an interesting but not very often tweeted chart. We'll have to scroll back to August 4th for this one.
2: Got the, the tips break even on the horizontal the nominal 10-year yield on the vertical uh that that line that blue line is the regression of the two and you can see how far above that line we now are and so what this is telling me is that there's there's value in the bond market uh there there's not quite value yet in the stock market for the evaluations reasons that we that we highlighted and either Either the valuations keep going down and that lowers the fair value of the stock market or the Fed breaks something and that would put the earnings in question and that again would lower the fair value in the stock market. But the 40 side of the 60-40 to me is offering some some real value here. So that would be at least a helpful change from the last eight months where neither the 40 nor the 60 did anything, right? There was really no place to hide for investors at least now, I think we're getting to the point where the 40 is at least a place to hide while we wait for that 60 to, to, to find its its ultimate um, bottom.
1: Fascinating. Okay, that is fascinating. So interesting to hear this and, and the changes in you know what you think on this. Something that you've mentioned many times, uh, but one of the investors joining us here today asking you to to please go back to this. So they say, I saw your post on Twitter. We compare this time to the 1940s that we could go sideways. Um, Can you expand on that?
0: We'll take a look at 2022 versus 1946 next, tweeted on August 17th.
2: I think this is actually the most likely outcome. Um, And uh, let me just kind of explain why I I look at the 1940s, you know, um, actually since day 1 of that we started doing this this webcast you know two and a half years ago i used the 1940s analog as a fitting one because uh, and that was earlier in the 40s uh, because in 42 when the us mobilized the economy to join world war II, there was you know a financial repression rate caps there was lots of fiscal expansion that fiscal expansion was absorbed by the fed through quantitative easing and and yield caps so there were some similarities to the response to the pandemic. Um, and then um, then the war ended in 1945, of course, the GIs came back um, and all of a sudden the economy needed to be re-geared uh, from wartime to peacetime. That created a lot of uh, supply chain bottlenecks. It created a monster inflation. I think inflation was at 20% at some point and the market had a 26% decline. Um, and, you know, guess what? A lot of that stuff has happened, right? The markets had a 25% decline. We have supply chain bottlenecks. We have inflation. The economy is kind of different than it was pre the pandemic. And uh, what happened in the 40s, and here you can see the analog, That's this is the S&P in yellow, is from 1946 to 1949. Uh, the markets were in a holding pattern for about three years. And, and I'm not suggesting that that's that it's going to take that long this time around. But what happened back then was we had a valuation correction. Um, earnings never skipped a beat, but the market went from 22 times earnings to five times earnings. Um, and that's why it took so long to kind of get out of that trading range. Again, I think it won't take that long this time. I don't think the PE will go to five, uh, but it will probably go to 14 or 15. Um, and. Back then, the market from that 26% decline, which is where the vertical line is, uh, recovered about half of the decline, then filled, made a slightly lower low, and then recovered. And guess what? That's pretty much exactly what we're talking about as a plausible scenario this time. You know, the market uh, um, uh, peaked out, or the, the recovery in the market ended at about a 50% retracement, I'm not sure if I have the slide, I don't have the slide in here on that, uh, and is now faltering. And based on that 35, 31 uh, estimate for the S&P, that would be a slight undercut. So there are a lot of similarities, there are a lot of differences, of course, there's no world war, uh, the, the demographics are different, all that stuff, uh, many, many differences, or but, reducing, but they, yeah, so yeah but there are enough similarities here that, that makes me pay attention. And again, people are, are trained to kind of think binary, up or down, bull or bear. Maybe this is just gonna be a sideways slog for a while while we figure out all of these imbalances in the economy.
1: So fascinating, okay. Um, One thing I've noticed that you have not mentioned, and actually you sort of don't hear it in discourse generally, is talking about the Fed cutting. And I'm kind of curious why that just appears to be a bit of a a silent or a moot point at this stage.
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question.
0: Next, we'll look at the Fed and the market again, tweeted on September 19th. You
2: know, there there are a number of ways where the, the the market can or where the expectations can either be fulfilled or not fulfilled. Right. And this is a, a rapidly moving target. So first of all, we have the, the, the end point, the terminal point that is that the market expects the Fed to achieve. And that's currently at around 4.4 percent, as you can see from the orange line. Um, So that could be right or it could be wrong. Maybe it's only four, maybe it goes all the way to five, right? At some point, if the economic data really start to falter even more than they have, and, you know, I don't think the U.S. is in a recession right now, but clearly the risk is there, certainly looking at the yield curve and look at some of the housing stats. So maybe it'll be less than 4.4, but again, we're not going to know about it until the Fed actually pivots, because if it starts talking about it too soon, the markets will declare victory and then, it undermines the Fed's intentions. Uh, But so getting that number right, uh, I think is one. Uh, The timing I think is not so much in question because the Fed is just gonna get there as fast as possible uh, because it's trying to shock the system. But from that point on, what happens next is is another very big question. So as you can see from this curve, uh, the Fed's expecting, the the market's expecting the Fed to go to 4.4 and then basically cut five times back to 3.1%. And why 3.1%? I think if you look at those purple dots on the right-hand side, those are the long-term dots from the Fed, So that implies what the Fed thinks is a neutral policy. So okay. 25 to 3%, I think, is the Fed's notion of a neutral policy. And the market thinks that the Fed will get there after it finishes tightening, and my guess is that it thinks it's going to get there for two, for one of two reasons. One, it it achieves its its goal with to rein in inflation. And when that happens, there's no need for the Fed to stay restrictive because the problem has been solved. And then they go back to neutral, which is around 3%. So that would be the glass half full interpretation. The glass half empty is that the Fed is going to go to 4 plus percent, break the economy, cause a recession. And then we'll be forced to pivot, um, and at that point it might go well below three percent. But and that's sort of the glass half empty. So either way, the market's expecting the Fed to go up and then come down. And one way the market could be wrong, other than the actual point of at which the market the Fed will stop, is whether the Fed will even be able to go back down afterwards, right? If in, if the tips market's wrong and inflation does stay sticky, let's say it stays at four the Fed may not be able to cut rates at all. Uh, and that is another thing to consider when we think about, you know, asset class valuations, etc.
1: You're in, Timmer. It's amazing uh, to have you take us through this. Thank you. It's a pivotal week, obviously, for investors. You will be joining us, but I think from like 15 different countries and how many different um, cities? I'm going to be,
2: uh, yeah, this, this is going to be a busy fall, to say the least. I'm going to be in 19 cities in eight countries in the next three months. So next Monday, I will be doing this from Madrid. And then the following Monday, I'll be doing it from Dublin. And then who, who, who knows where I'll be after that.
1: Okay. Well, we <laughs> look forward to following you on your travels. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Grandma.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thank you. See you next time.